You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And I'm sitting here and I'm having fun with the White Sox ticket thing online. Like I I went on WhiteSox.com and I clicked on purchasing tickets. And you'll be shocked that there's still tickets available for the homestand when you're only at 20% capacity. Like people were afraid. (laughs) Really? They wouldn't be able to get tickets. And I have, I think there's a lot of people that think you can't buy them unless you were season ticket holders. They're available right now. Like sitting here right now with no passwords put in, just going to the website. I'm clicking on all the games. And I'm finding tickets. There's no tickets on opening day. The day that we're going to Cork and Carry at the park on the 10th, uh, and remember that thing starts off at 11 o'clock in the morning, two hours of pregame before the 110 start. If you're not going into the ballpark, stay with us for a watch party at Cork and Carry at the park at 33rd in Princeton. Great food, great drinks. They're going to have the sidewalks closed off, so you're going to be outdoor and then also indoor seating. They open up the windows if it's a nice day. We've got several people that will be joining us. I'm going to have it all confirmed by uh, by Saturday's show who's going to be showing up in a week, and we're going to be podcasting live from that location as well for those that can't make it down there. So our Saturday show will be a big live extravaganza through the Podbean app. So more details coming up on that, but mark your calendars right now for the second game of the opening series against the Royals. You can get tickets for it, man. Now, it's funny which tickets you can get. Okay, let's find What do you got here? Opening day, you can't get tickets right now through the website. Makes sense. If you want to buy a pod of four, and this is what becomes really funny, they predetermine the size of the pods. So it's the very large pods in the very expensive sections that are the ones that are still available. So if you want to buy four scout seats for the 10th, and sit behind home plate at 500 a seat. If you want to drop two grand, you can get into the ballpark still. If you want to go to the Guaranteed Rate Club, remember Guaranteed Rate Club was the one, that's where they used to have the broadcasters, and now it's a club there that, that sits uh, in between the, the 200 level. No, it's on the 200 level. It's below the 300 level. So it's, it's that first little section. Is that where the 200 level is, below the 300? Yeah, Fine. Anyway, if you want to go in there, they have three and four seat pods. But the more amazing thing about it is there's a three seat pod right next to a four seat pod separated by one seat. So clearly, I don't understand how this works. <laughs> like, I went I Oh, wait a minute here. So there's, are they, how are they? I don't know. Is it going to be like plexiglass or something? I don't know or? how that works. There's a three seat pod. If I look on the thing online right now, yeah. in the Guaranteed yeah. Rate Club on April 10th, there is a three seat pod one empty seat and a four seat pod available in there. Now those are pricey tickets as well. So I, I understand if you can't, if you can't get in there, I get it. I understand if you want to go to the Monday night game though, against the Indians it starts to get a little bit more interesting. Upper deck seats are available. In fact, upper deck seats are available for the entirety of that Cleveland series right now, as we're sitting here all around the ballpark, there's only like three upper deck sections that don't have seats proving once again, no matter how starved White Sox fans are for baseball, they do not like the upper deck of that stadium. No, nobody likes the upper deck. You, <laughs> I mean, you, you pretty much have to be in desperation mode, which you would think people would be in to start the season. But eh, 
I, I bet I bet there's going to be some walk up those nights, you know, or not walk up per se, but they're going to have some people that are going to buy those seats as they see what the weather's like. Right. Because if it's nice, I think people will go out to the game. If it's say 40 degrees outside, you know that in the upper deck that means it's at least negative 10. So, you know, there's a huge temperature difference when you get up there in the, in the colder weather. And no matter how warm it is during the week, and I know it's starting to warm up, we're up and down with the temperatures, a night game up there, it's going to be chilly. It's going to be cold. Like, it's not going to be as cold as, like, this winter where you might have found, when everything thawed out, some sort of foundation issue. Look at that transition as we talk about our sponsor, Family Waterproofing Solutions. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show, the proud sponsors of Socks in the Basement. And if you have any foundation issues, you got some water coming in, some seepage, you need to look at the sump pumps. Let's say you need anything looked at, weird things going on in and around your basement, along the ground level, outside of the house. Give them a call, the number right on the logo for Socks in the Basement, famws.com. Visit them there as well. Mention Socks in the Basement for money off. And then I guess go get yourself an upper deck seat with a coat. A park of some sort. And if you look at the pods, and it's not it's not exclusively this, but if you look at the pods that are available right now, it's the back 10 rows of the upper deck. And it's just nothing but seats are available. So, so it's like, but I mean, there's some that are closer up in the upper deck, but it proves, I'm telling you, without a doubt, White Sox fans hate that upper deck. And that upper deck is brutal in the cold months. It is it is a horrible horrible place to yeah. sit in. It, it was a horrible place to sit in back when they used to shoot. Remember remember early on when they first built the stadium, they would find seats with bullet holes in them because people were firing their guns out the windows of those old projects that were on the other side of the Dan Ryan and they were shooting the seats. Yeah, and they were hitting the seats, and, yeah. And they were <laughs> they were firing their guns across the Dan Ryan. It's a real story. I didn't make this up. You can look this up online. They were bad then and they're bad now. They're just like, now you can get, you can get four seats for that Monday night game in section 344 in, in the pimped out 300 level. That's the only thing that's not upper deck in that game. As I sit here for the four seats combined, it costs you $309 and 12 cents. So there, there are tickets available. You're going to pay a cost. You're going to probably have to get a three or four or a five person pod. And you're likely going to be up in the upper deck. But if anybody's sitting around going, man, I couldn't get tickets. You could. No, you can get tickets. You can get tickets. Now, here's the thing. If you're worried about COVID right now, I don't think COVID can go up that high. I don't think it can survive in that kind of atmosphere. Scientifically proven. It, the, the air is thinner up there, and COVID has uh, less of a chance. I believe that that's, I believe that's confirmed by somebody. That's, that's got to sure, be true, right? Listen, I'm sure I could find a website that will prove anything I say right now. Okay? Get I could Fauci go- on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Little do people know that last year, before the start of the Major League Baseball season, the shortened season, Ed tried to preview every team in Major League Baseball. He told me it'd be a really quick segment. And when he sent me the file, it was 42 minutes long. So I have given him three minutes and only three minutes to do the entirety of Major League Baseball as opening day is upon us now. Not 42 minutes, Ed. Three. Hit the music. Deep breath. Go. 
Let's start out in the NL East where the rebuilt Mets are going to try and take the division away from the Braves that are returning basically the same team that they've always had. Uh, except for the fact that the Braves have replaced a couple of guys like Charlie Morton with somebody like Drew Smiley, so it's not going to be quite as good. That rebuilt Mets team should compete. We'll have a chance to take it from the Braves, but the Braves are still very, very strong, and I think the Braves will ultimately take it. Miami should be pretty frisky. Uh, Washington has your fantasy baseball team from, say, 2012, 2013, and if everything comes together for Washington, they could make some noise. However, I don't think either Washington or Miami has it. Philadelphia, meanwhile, is just going to waste another career year for Bryce Harper. Out in the NL Central, it's wide open because none of the teams are particularly good. St. Louis is probably the best of the bad bunch, followed by the Cubs, followed by Milwaukee, who always look good on paper, then always find a way to fade out in the end, and Cincinnati, who also could be pretty good. They did lose Trevor Bauer, however, they're returning most of the rest of their team, and the team should be competitive. It's a good question whether or not they're going to get enough pitching out of that team, however. Pittsburgh, meanwhile, is just going to be a giant pile of bad. Pick up the pace, you're never going to make it. Out in the NL West, you're going to have the LA Dodgers, San Diego, vying for it. San Francisco, meanwhile, is going to be a veteran squad that could make some uh, some waves, but is probably not going to do enough. Colorado, Arizona, no, I'm sorry, they're going to be bad. They're a rebuild, whether or not they want to admit it. Let's go out to the AL East, where you got Tampa Bay trying to keep their crown against the Yankees, who rebuilt and are going to be relying on a couple of bounce-back guys from injury. Tampa lost a couple of guys, added a couple of guys. It's Tampa Bay. Those two teams are going to go neck and neck. It'll probably be the Yankees at the end of it, however. Toronto should be interesting. They added George Springer. They added Marcus Simeon. However, they didn't address their pitching staff, and that's going to be the problem. Baltimore's in a rebuild since, I don't know, Cal Ripken retired. Meanwhile, Boston's not going to be as bad as they were last year, but they probably don't have enough pitching. Let's skip over the Al Central for a second. We'll go out west where the A's are going to try and retain their crown over Houston. Houston's probably the deeper, better squad at this point. Oakland's got some questions in their rotation. It's really not that bad of a team, but it's not quite as good as it was last year. Seattle could be interesting. They're young. They're going to run a six-man rotation. they got a lot of players that are could be really interesting, could be really good, could be really bad. The Angels are wasting Mike Trout, much as you would expect the Phillies to be wasting Bryce Harper, and Texas is also really bad. One minute left! <sighs> to the AL Central. Can the Twins outlast the White Sox, or will the White Sox finally come through and be triumphant? Well, of course the White Sox are going to be triumphant. That's a stupid question. Minnesota's going to return the team that they've basically had the past couple of years. They're still very, very good. They're still going to be very, very competitive. They're probably going to be a wildcard team, but I think the Sox have them this year. 30 seconds! It's just a better squad. Meanwhile, Cleveland, all pitching, no hitting. Kansas City, a very interesting young team with a couple of veterans. However, they're throwing darts at guys like Andrew Benintendi, so it's not quite as good as you would think. Then there's poor, lowly Detroit, who is going to join Texas and Baltimore and Pittsburgh at the bottom of the barrel. And we'll see you for your first round draft pick, and that's when it's going to be interesting for them. So for those keeping score, we've got Houston, the White Sox, the Yankees, and the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Cardinals taking it. Wow, I think I just lost five bucks. Socks in the basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the south side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota. And one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. 
and they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. Join us on the phone line right now. Got a treat because it's opening day and we're not going to be in Chicago for opening day. We're actually starting on the road, which we normally do. And we're heading out to Anaheim, a beautiful stadium I've been to a few times. Daniel Garcia, though, I'm sure has been there more than me. He is the host or one of the two hosts, two main hosts on the All Angels podcast. And he joins us on the line to preview the opening series of the first full season in two years because we didn't get opening day last time. Right, Daniel? I mean, how pumped are you for baseball right now? I am super excited. Thank you, thank you for having me on. And for you to say that you guys are open up on the road, as Angel fans, we are kind of the same boat. This will be the first home opener on opening day, I believe, in the last, uh, I want to say, four seasons. So uh, this has kind of been a long time coming for us, too, to have an opening day on opening day. And that's crazy, too, because you're in SoCal. And your weather's different. Yeah, exactly. Like, you guys should always have an opening day. I understand why we don't get opening days, because generally, it's miserable here. Now, it's going to be beautiful, because we're having a great week here in Chicago, but you can't plan on that. You guys should always be open on opening day. How does that happen? I don't know, but for whatever reason, it seems like they love putting us in Oak, up in Oakland for opening day. So that's kind of where it's been the last like three years is up in Oakland. So, uh, I mean, technically it's still California, but it's Northern California. And they kind of do have a little more of a rainy weather than Southern California for people that haven't been uh, to the West Coast. So, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, like, I would love to have the home opener on every opening day. But, you know, finally we get one, to, like you mentioned, uh, two years after our last full season. Listen, I've lived in Southern California and up in Northern California, actually uh, Northern uh, Nevada and Reno, but I went into California a lot. Uh, I would much rather be in Southern California. You guys are normal. They're <laughs> they're very uppity up there, and it's not as warm as people think it is until they go out there and visit it. Let's talk about the Angels. How are you guys feeling about your team? Because you had a losing record last year, but it's a shortened season. A lot of people can kind of throw things out sometimes in a shortened season, especially if you got off to a slow start. Because if you get off to a slow start, you're dead in a 60-game season. Is that what happened to the Angels last year? That's exactly what happened with the Angels last year. Um, really slow start. Um, the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen was the biggest issue. I, I believe the Angels led uh, the AL, if not the whole Major League Baseball, in blown saves. Uh, by the time everyone kind of started getting the rhythm, especially the older players like Justin Upton, he had a really good last month of the season. But again, a slow start. Um, and the same thing with the bullpen. They finally got their roles to a point where the Angels started rolling towards the end of the year, but because they put themselves in too far of a hole, they weren't able to make the playoffs. But I talked to a lot of people that have uh, covered the Angels last year, uh, beat reporters and, and media guys, and they truly believe if that season was uh, two weeks longer or three weeks longer, the Angels would have continued that run and passed the Astros for that last playoff spot. It was just like you mentioned. They put themselves in way too big of a hole at the beginning of a 60-game sprint not even really a season, it's a sprint, um, and they just couldn't get out of it because by the time they started clicking, it was already, you know, game 48 for the most part. We're talking to Daniel Garcia from the All Angels podcast. Let's talk about Otani here for a moment. Uh, as an outsider looking in, I look at a guy that if he stays healthy, he's going to pitch, but it's going to be once every six days because it looks like the Angels go to a six-man rotation specifically because of him, and then he has to take some time off right before and right after a start where he's not in the lineup. So 
you get the best of both worlds, but you also don't get the, you don't get him topped out as a hitter and you don't get to top him out as a pitcher because he doesn't get as many starts as, as if he would have been in a five-man rotation. Is it worth it for him to be a two-way player? Like as one of the guys that covers this team every single day, 365 for the All Angels podcast, do you like having a two-way player or is it an annoyance somehow? And do you worry more about him getting injured because he does this? This year, I think going to be a little bit different. In years past, you're correct. They've you know, sat him the day before he pitches and the day after he pitches. This year, Joe Madden has come out and said that there is going to be no uh, real restrictions on Otani. And as a matter of fact, I believe he's pitching the Sunday night game against the Chicago uh, White Sox on ESPN. And uh, for the last two starts, including last night against the Dodgers, he has both hit and pitched in the same game. So this is going to be a little different season for him in that aspect where – at least at the beginning part of the season, they aren't going to do the days off here, days off there. They're going to, you know, bat him all the way up to he pitches. Now, he might pitch the same games he bats or bats the same games he pitches, or he might not. But those kind of off days before and after, I think, are going to go away, at least in the beginning part of the season, um, to give him more at bat um, because he is such a, a big part of that lineup. But to kind of answer your question as far as it worth it, I, I think if it's done correctly and he does have a, another type of year when he, when he won the uh, Rookie of the Year, I think it is worth it because uh, his stuff is a stuff. I mean, you, you look at his splitter, you look at his slider, you look at his fastball that's popping out. Uh, some reports during spring training would top out around uh, 102, uh, but it's more consistently around that 98, 97 mile per hour. It's, it is hard to say that you can't do one or the other when he, he's really, really good. Uh, both and hopefully this being the first full year that he's healthy again coming into the Angels even from Japan they knew about a flight strain in his elbow having Tommy John having knee surgery this is the first season where he's going to be completely healthy so I think they're banking on that and hopefully if he is if he stays healthy um, you can do both at a really high level. Daniel, before I let you go, I got to ask you real quick about your rotation though because you do have Dylan Bundy as your opening day starter and you know like Dylan Bundy's always struck me as a guy that's got an awful lot of talent but he's not an ace so I would be nervous as a fan if I saw that what do you feel about your rotation especially early on this season you know Dylan Bundy same thing we picked him up last year wasn't too sure what to expect from you look at his numbers um, in Baltimore not exactly what you would want to put at the front end of that rotation uh, but getting him out of the East, getting, out, getting him out of those hitters friendly ballparks has really, really helped him. Had a great year last year. Even received one or two side young votes last year uh, with the Angels. So for him to be the opening day starter, I think he deserved it out of the options available. I think he is the definitely the best option. What kind of worries me about our rotation and even going into the bullpen is just don't not necessarily having that that main guy, that go-to guy. Otani can be that guy. If he's healthy, but again, that's a big question mark, and that's every six days. Um, but I think the depth is going to be a huge part, not only with the Angels, but every baseball team this year because of all the pitchers taking a huge jump in innings because of the short season last year. So my biggest concern is the depth. When guys need to take a couple of days off and miss a couple cycles through the rotation, um, you know, how is that spot starter going to do? Are we going to be able to win a couple of those games? That's what really worries me as, as a fan the guy that follows this team is those kind of death pieces that I'm not too sure if the Angels have them yet, but uh, Bundy, Andrew Heaney, Alex Cobb, and Shirley Antonio are the four starters, um, I believe, going against you guys this next weekend, I think the weekend. And, you know, other than, you know, Bundy at the beginning and, and Shohei at the bottom of that, you know, it, the middle is kind of a big question mark for me 
and seeing how they come out early in the season. Alex Cobb has worked on some things at Driveline up in Washington. Uh, Tuesday's mechanics looks really good in spring training. So uh, there's a lot of questions, a lot of questions with this, with this rotation. If the upside is, if the upside happens and, they, and it happens way everyone's talking, then they could be a really good rotation. If not, then like, kind of like I said earlier, they're probably going to end up being a sub-500 team this year. So there's a lot of questions, not a whole lot of answers when it comes to that uh, rotation with the Angels. Daniel Garcia of the All Angels podcast, I appreciate you coming on, and I hope your team gets off to a slow start again this year. No offense, but I would like them to have a very rough first week, and then they can recover afterwards. I'm fine with that. All right, and enjoy your ballpark on opening day because I'm going to tell you something. I say this to people all the time, and they look at me like I'm crazy, but I think if you visited Dodger Stadium and your stadium, I'd much rather go to an Angels game. I've always had a better time there. That, hey, that means a lot to us. And if we come up to a slow start, it doesn't really mean a whole lot compared to the last year. Last year, you couldn't afford one. This one, uh, you kind of start a little bit of a slow start. So uh, I'm kind of hoping for that slow start for you as well. <laughs> hey, gang. Ever wonder what it's like to be a small business owner? It's confusing. Weird expenses coming out of nowhere. And when you throw in health insurance, forget it. Nobody understands how that works. If you own a business, big or small, it's one of the biggest expenses you have all year long. And yet, we all wait until open enrollment at the end of the year, and then we think to ourselves, next year, next year I'll get a jump on it. And then it's another year of paying way too much. If you're a business owner, big or small, HR representative that wants to impress the boss, Give Butch Zemar of Elite Benefits of America a call. Save yourself or your boss thousands or even tens of thousands of dollars a year. Reach out to Butch right now, 708-535-3006, or shoot him an email, butch at elitebenefits.net. And be sure to check out the Zemar podcast. Don't wait till the last minute. Put Butch Zemar to work for you now. Were you surprised? By any of the roster moves, were you? I mean, like we pretty much nailed it. It's not official no, yet because we 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 exactly because we kind of nailed it. I think we we recognized the fact that there was going to be a crunch for the forty man roster. But the thing was, is that the, now there's some stuff coming out here. Like first of all, Jake Lamb is official, and Nick Turley was officially DFA'd. He was released. which we saw coming. So when that happened, it made Jose Ruiz the eighth reliever. Okay, that was a bit of a surprise because uh, there's a lot of people out there in the world that are better than Jose Ruiz at what he does for a living, allegedly. Um, <laughs> I think they could have signed Sister Jean now that uh, Loyola's done with their run, and she could have done better. I've seen her throw out her first pitch. So that's a bit of a surprise. But if you're talking about per- perhaps needing to bring somebody in later on, he's still the guy that's going to get launched off the roster, as is Jake Lamb if he doesn't work out. Yeah, that's what this is. Look, this is a guy without options, and they may feel like, hey, let's just start the season with this, give him one more chance in the majors. I don't think he lasts very long. And I I put out something on Twitter where I was making fun of the fact that he probably has naked pictures of someone because somehow he can never be jettisoned off this 40-man roster, and he makes the team again. And And I had a few people ask, like, well, who else would you have taken? I counted eight guys with a better whip in the spring than him. Oh my gosh, there were so many guys that you could have taken. I mean, you could have done really any of the non-roster invitees with the exception of maybe a couple of them that didn't look particularly good and were, you know, high A, you know, destined for double A type of pitchers. 
But, uh, you know, the first name that comes to mind, and without even thinking about it, Alex McRae's name came to mind because he had a pretty good spring, and they know what he's about, and he's going to start in AAA, and he could have very easily been added to the roster at the expense of Jose Ruiz. Yeah, I think so, too. I would have made that move. Look, I mean, here, he had a 6.75 ERA in spring and a 1.88 whip. And before you say that's just spring, that's his career numbers, too, basically. <laughs> right. Like, that's so, the problem. I mean, like, he's not like, good. He's just not a good pitcher. I mean, he's just, he's just not. Uh, he's going to make it on the team. I don't think he lasts very long. The Lamb signing was surprising to me. But if I'm not mistaken, LaRusa has connections to the front office in Arizona. I know he worked with the Angels. This is a this may be a TRL type guy. He likes him. You know what I found really funny though, and this was a, something I didn't nobody else brought up. But if you're looking for a guy that can play first base and third base and add some pop, right? You know who had a great spring for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Todd Frazier. Todd Frazier. You want to know why he's not being brought on and it's Jake Lamb? Adam, Adam Eaton. Eaton. That's exactly like <laughs> like, I mean, it's the elephant in the room, but it re- that's what happened, man. I mean, like, you know that, the, you know, he looked at his name is like, man, it'd be cool if we could bring the Todd father back, but uh, that ain't going to happen. We, <laughs> we're just going to move the only on. Thing, the only thing that would be good about bringing the Todd father back is, is that guaranteed rate would probably pay a lot of money in addition to their, their ownership of the naming rights to the stadium to have Todd Frazier and Adam Eaton talk about Adam Eaton's mortgage. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, look, Lamb. Lamb is a he is what he is. He's a guy who who looked really good and then had some injury problems. And he's there to provide some pop and to be a fill in. And he's really the twenty sixth man. He's an indictment on what Danny Mendick did this offseason. And Danny Mendick should feel really? ashamed of That's himself because he he should have been able to get that role and he couldn't do it. Jake Lamb is also a little bit about what we were talking about very early on in the offseason, bringing in a guy that has had success in the major leagues as a left handed batter with power that you don't necessarily want to spend a ton of money on and, you know, because of the budget issues. And and a guy that, in this case, you're right, Tony LaRusso is familiar with him because LaRusso was working with the Diamondbacks when Jake Lamb arrived and had his best seasons as, as a member of the Diamondbacks. And so I think he's bringing this guy in saying, I know what this guy's capable of. Maybe we can get him back to what he used to be. And if he did, great find. If not... He's just a guy that you can get rid of in case you need to, I don't know, trade for someone later on down the road. Right. I mean, look, at some point, Adam Engel's coming back. At some point, Jace Fry is coming back. The thing that I found really interesting, of course, Larry Garcia is one of the guys coming off the bench. It looks like Andrew Vaughn is going to start out in left field. Who knows? Maybe they'll start Garcia. They're going to make a decision at some point in this thing. But he's likely your left fielder, and Collins is likely your DH now. But Yerman Mercedes, that's what we said. You could make you could make a DH out of those two guys. But if you're going to do it, why do you need Lucroy? And guess who gets jettisoned a couple days after we said that? Lucroy. Jonathan Lucroy yeah. could be a victim of the Aloy Jimenez injury indirectly because he actually had a pretty good spring. But in reality, it's probably more important that they feel confident in the defensive skills of a Zach Collins. That I'm hearing things coming out of camp like, hey, he really improved. And he's hitting. And that's what you want to have. I'm all for it. I'm all on board with him being the legit backup catcher. And remember, if you've got Mercedes and you've got Collins, if something happens to Grandal in the middle of a game, then the one of them's on the bench. The other one's the DH. The other one comes in and finishes off the game. So you, right. you have an awful lot of flexibility still when you do that. I, I like that move, not because I wanted 
the two of those guys over Lucroy. You know, it, it it's more because it shows me they have confidence in going with their younger talent and going with a Zach Collins instead of a guy who was a non-roster invitee who I think at the beginning of camp, they were kind of assuming was going to be the backup catcher. Well, and it's it's not an indictment on LaCroix at all because he actually had, you know, as good if not better a spring at the plate than Mercedes has. And he is a guy that has been doing this for a long time. So you know he is the prototypical backup catcher at this point. That is going to be... The trick is whether or not Zach Collins carries his hitting over from Arizona and brings it north with him or brings it to Anaheim with him. I think what Jose Ruiz coming north has to do too is it's a little bit of if Chase Fry's spot, if his 40-man roster spot is going to be because he's on the 60-day DL, Ruiz may just be there until Fry is ready to come back. And then when Fry comes back, Ruiz's spot is opened up for Fry to resume on the 40-man. Well, I think that's pretty obvious, right? I mean, when Fry comes back, who do you who would you rather have? I mean, I think that if there's somebody who would rather have Jose Ruiz slap yourself in the face, I mean, you you want and, to chase and Fry delete back. those pictures before you send them out so he doesn't get them. <laughs> so I mean, like like yeah. So in the end, Ruiz is probably along the lines of like, hey, well, you know, I mean, we might as well see what we got. Maybe he has a good month because we already know his replacement's coming back. I don't think he he might not even make it to Jace Fry's return. You know, do you think Tony no, LaRusso, no, do you no, think no. Tony LaRusso puts up with anything like what Jose Ruiz brings? I mean, here's a guy who shows up out there sometimes and he's like throwing gasoline on a fire. Like he he gives teams new life when he takes the mound in the middle of a game. He's a mop up guy at best in a game where it's a blowout where you're down by five and you're like, well, we're going to lose. Put Jose out there. And now you're down by 10. That's kind of what he is. And at some point, LaRusso is going to be like, and we're done. I think Tony LaRusso's actually got an awful lot of influence over what's going on with his roster. I think the Jake Lamb signing, the idea that we're we're breaking camp with those two other catchers, but we're not bringing along Luke Croy. I, I think a lot of the things that are happening right now with the roster, we've talked about this. He's going to have more of a say than a Ricky Renteria ever did because he's empowered by the fact that, one, he's a Hall of Fame baseball person Legit. who is a, an illustrious career, and two, the owner loves him to death. And you're all expendable besides Tony. Like, push comes to shove, we all know who's number one. That was shown by the hiring process. So he's good. He's getting a voice in there. I think this is a lot. A lot of these decisions were definitely his. They weren't. Remember, we were always used to the idea, like, with Ventura. Like, basically, Han was telling him what to do. The 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 back and forth of who's, who's doing the lineups, where Han's on MLB Network talking about how he does the lineups, and then Renteria is telling us on Socks in the Basement, I do the lineups. Guess who's doing the lineups? Tony LaRussa. Guess who's picking the players? Tony LaRussa. Guess who, guess who goes and knocks on the door and says, I need this. And Rick Hahn gives him a list and he goes, I'll take Lamb. That Tony LaRussa does that. That's what I believe right now. And I think that's the only way you can look at it. And it's about time, frankly, because it, the problem with Robin Ventura as a manager, the problem with Ricky Renteria as a manager is that they were viewed as guys that got along great with the players guys that were really good for the clubhouse but were limited in terms of what they could do on the field as an in-game manager and setting the lineup is absolutely part of that setting the matchups is part of that and which guys they want to take a look at is part of that but when you switch it over to we're trying to win and we've got a hall of fame manager who knows what he's doing in game 
that's a good thing because you want that manager to sit there and say, I know what the matchups are in real time. I don't have to have the earpiece in. I don't have to have Rick Hahn sending messages down through back channels that this pitcher's got to go in instead of this one because he's going to match up better. You want LaRusa to have that information, knowledge, and that feeling, quite frankly. And the other thing is, is that you want LaRusa to be the guy that gets what he wants in terms of how he wants his team to look and who he wants on his bench and who he wants on the club because you want him to feel comfortable putting a guy out there. And some of what Renteria and Ventura would have gone through would have been Rick Hahn saying, look, we really need to take a long look at this guy to figure out what we have. And Renteria can just kind of suck it up and say, all right, we want to know what Jose Ruiz is. I'll throw him out there. But now if Larusa saying, yeah, I'll bring Ruiz north because I understand we got the roster issue. I didn't like Nick Turley or what he brought to the plate. Fine, I'll take Ruiz North, but you're right. As soon as he's as soon as he's done with him, you know, it'll be bye-bye, Jose. It doesn't really matter what the pictures look like. Hey, Billy Hamilton's clearly. He got released, and then all of a sudden he was on the White Sox, and Tony's, like, telling people in front of a microphone, this is what I like about this guy. Like, he knew what he liked about him, right? Jake Lamb feels yes. like a La Russa-type move. Like, he was like, ah, we're going to have to do this, we're going to have to do this, and maybe there was a conversation. And it was like, well, then what would we bring if we're not bringing Luke Croy? He's like, Jake Lamb. You hear about Jake Lamb? I know a guy by the name of Jake Lamb. By the way, I already told him to pack his bags. Can you guys yeah. get him? Like that, like, I mean, if he's actually on my couch right now, can, can I just bring him to the park with me tomorrow? Yeah. He just picks up his phone. He's like, Hey Jake, Tony, uh, we're going to sign you. Hold on a second. Yeah. Rick, we're going to sign him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How much you want? Ricky wants this. Yeah. You got quiet. I'm talking to Jake. Uh-huh. All right. He'll be on his way soon, Rick. That's how I envision all the conversations. I might be wrong. That's kind of how I envision the conversations at this point. Uh, it's probably a bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> but we'll allow it, I think. <laughs> I don't think he's using the word please when he asks for things. Uh, no. No. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.